This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are talking about going back. So many things are opening up, schools and nurseries and museums and all sorts. And how do we prep our kids for this going back season of life? We are going to be talking about, well, I'm going to answer a question about uh, when our kids are resistant to prayer. What do we do about that? And uh, we are going to be listening to Gail Adcock, who is the uh, grand head honcho of family ministries for the Methodist Church and an author of a fantastic book about family ministry, and she's going to be talking about those sort of gathered together spiritual times that you can do at home and what that may look like and how it feels. And of course, always a question to start an interesting conversation. So let's begin. By the way, if you hear that my voice is croaky like this, uh, I and you're concerned, I appreciate your concern. Uh, I did go to the doctor after you know, a good week of going, I don't know what it is. What's going on with my voice? Oh no, I've got cancer and uh, freaked out and finally went back and I have nodules on my vocal cords. And so uh, they are addressing it and we will be getting it sorted out. But I may be a bit croaky in your ears for the next couple of months. And I apologize. Uh, it, I That's just what it is. <laughs> me, 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 me. So I'm working on it. But I apologize for the uh, sounds. Uh, of that are me croaking in your voice. Uh, What are we talking about? Expectations. Yes. So we are going back. It is finally arrived after almost six months of us being sort of in a season. We are emerging. And last week we talked about what, um, how we can say goodbye to a season. This week I wanted to talk about how we prep our kids to go back, to start the next season of life. And it's so exciting. And I think partially this is really important. Meh, important's a bit, that's a bit much. Do I mean important? I don't know if I mean important. It is an opportunity to teach our kids how to do something that they will be doing for the rest of their life. There will be time after time after time that our kids are going to have to enter a place that they are not sure about, that they are going to either have to go back to a place that's unfamiliar, they're going to have to go into a place that they haven't been to in a while or that they're seeing for the first time. This feeling of doing something that you're not quite sure what it looks like is what life is full of. And this is a wonderful opportunity to teach our kids how to do that. And so um, I'm going to suggest three, three or four, I don't even know if they're steps, my mom hates the word things when I use the word things because it's a vague, imprecise word. But I'm going to use the word things. Sorry, mom. Uh, because there are four things, areas to think around when it comes to this to equip our kids. So I'm going to suggest these four. One, the first thing that we can look at when we're enabling our kids to enter a space that feels new or unfamiliar to them is to manage their expectations and to help them manage their own expectations. Because what happens sometimes is it becomes massive. There's so many things we don't know and it feels overwhelming. And for us to go on the journey of helping our kids 
manage those expectations of, of not thinking it's going to be terrible and not thinking it's going to be amazing, but just going on the journey of going, all right, we don't know much. Let's find out as much as we can. We can find out the information. We could read the little booklet. We can look on the internet and we can learn all the knowledge that we have and we can talk through what we think is a reasonable thing to expect or to say we don't expect anything we are just going to expect that it is going to be an interesting ride rather than we're going to go back and my friends will hate me or i'm going to go back and it's going to be amazing to to manage expectations and to teach our children that what is in your heart about what you think about is coming can actually really influence how we feel and so let's let's discipline our minds and our hearts to gather as much information as possible and say this is what we think it might be like but we don't know and that's okay this is what we're expecting so teach them to manage their expectations the second thing is to then help them process their emotions about it Um, sometimes it's about just helping them name what they feel uh, sometimes, and we've talked about this before, about the that the importance of of naming emotions for our children, so that they can then talk to God about it, and they can then understand for themselves. Because sometimes we just get, I feel worried, but there's so much in that. I feel nervous that my friends won't want to play with me anymore, or I feel uh, I feel sad that I won't get to sit next to at a table with the people I really wanted to, or I feel I'm concerned that I don't remember all the maths I'm supposed to. And so there's lots of different emotions and to help them talk about those emotions and ask those questions and name those things so that they know that that's a normal thing to feel because then we can chat to God about them and to be able to say, you know, God, I'm nervous that I won't remember my times tables or, you know, God, I'm really excited that I get to see my friend and I, I hope, I hope, I hope we get to play a lot but I'm worried that I'll be super sad if we don't. And all of those things to to chat to God about and to say, why don't we chat to God about that? And to take turns chatting to God about how we feel about going back to school and naming different emotions can be really helpful to kids because then they're not just holding the bundle of emotions together, you know, whether they're four or whether they're 15, but we're, we're just listing and talking to God about all these up and down feelings that we're having. Uh, if you have a small person, they can also, you know, talk to God with their um, faces and their bodies and just the sounds. So many times I've told teenagers and four-year-olds, you know, you don't have to have words. You can just be like, God, I'm feeling because that's sometimes the best expression of my emotion right now. And they can just do that, just express themselves to God. Uh, and that will then also lead to a conversation about how we can set them up for success. You know, a lot of us are are talking about the morning stress, you know, like actually having to get up and do the morning run again and that stress that it adds. And so to be able to talk as a family about how we don't want to start our days with stress. And so how can we um, set ourselves up for success in the morning with our emotions? What plans do we need to put in place so that we could leave the day, leave for school feeling peaceful and joyful and not stressed and having that conversation? So help our kids manage their expectations, help them process their emotions, And the third thing I would suggest is to help them find their purpose because often anything new becomes a place where we're going to be judged. We're going to show up and people are going to judge us. It's not going to be what we think it's going to be. And it it becomes quite... um, helpless in how we're going to experience this. But actually what can root our kids is in helping them find their purpose, their God-given purpose and what their 
self-purposes. And so, you know, when we go to school, it's not just, I'm going to go to school now. It's a place to be. When we're going to school, it's that wherever we go in life, God has a purpose and a plan for us, not just for us, but for us to do. There may be kids who haven't gotten to play with another kid for the last six months. There may be people who feel lonely. There may be people who feel worried about their family at home. There are people who need God and need us to step into the gap and to bring God's goodness to that. And so let's pray and ask God, what's our job today at school? What's one thing that God's going to ask us to do when we go to nursery? And to have them go thinking, I'm a powerful person who can help other people, and God's asking me to do something significant today, gets their eyes off of themselves and what their experience of the day will be, and puts it on God is doing things and asking me to be a part of it. And that can be a really helpful shift for children who are feeling shy and worried because rather than go down the spiral of themselves, they can feel powerful about others. The other thing is to give them purpose about what they expect. You know, often they don't know what they expect of themselves. And so sometimes I sit with kids and I say, you know, all right, what's what's the goal for today? And they'll say, I just want to get through the day without crying. And I'm like, excellent plan. Good for you. That's a great purpose. Let's do it. And so then at the end of the day, it's not, oh, what are the 14 things that went wrong? It's just like, did you manage to not you know, lose it. And they'll go, no, I didn't. Like, that's okay. How do you feel about that? And they're like, I really think it was important that I didn't. Like, great, fab. And we can have a conversation about it. Uh, it's, It's about them feeling in themselves that they can say, this is, this is my goal for the day. And, uh, and it doesn't have to be all of the goals, just one. And we can help them process that. And so then after the event, after they come home from school, after they come home from nursery, then we can talk about that. Was it what you expected? Um, you know, how did you feel about the day? And how was those purpose things? You know, what did you do with God? And, you know, that thing that you really wanted to do, how did that work out? And so then after the event, we can debrief about those three things, expectations, emotions, and purpose, as well as just hearing everything. It's the same for life. It's the same for all of life. We can equip our kids in those three areas. I think we're going to get them ready to, to, to step into any area. And this is a really, really great teaching opportunity for our kids and for ourselves to practice. So enjoy. Have great conversations. Have great prayer times. Have a good time writing down or processing what you're feeling with each other. And um, wow, what a, what a great new season that we're in. Bless you. Right. Our question today uh, was sent in to our Facebook inbox. We love hearing from you. If you have questions or concerns, we'd love to hear. We'd love to help you. I don't know. Think about it. You may completely reject our answers, but you know, hey, at least we're sort of like in a little mini conversation. So uh, this question came in uh, and we so appreciate you sending it in. It says this. I'm not sure if this is a place to ask advice. Uh, Well, it's not advice, but I can give you my opinion. Uh, But I'm struggling with my six-year-old boy with bedtime prayers. I grew up always praying the longest prayers about everything as a kid, but my boy is really refusing. I would love for him to develop a habit of praying, but he's so resistant and I'm afraid my pressure is going to turn him off completely, but I don't want to be passive about this important part of raising him to know Jesus. Do you have some advice or can direct me to some resources? Thanks. 
I so appreciate you sending this in. And um, we're quite keen in Parenting for Faith about helping our kids find their own pattern of connection with God. And that includes prayer and how we do that. And I think I just wanted to affirm that I think you've really landed on something significant. And I just wanted to affirm your genius of being a parent and that you notices that his resistance is coming against um, this and you don't want your pressure to sort of turn him off completely and you recognize that there's a power dynamic I think in this and I find that really helpful to highlight that sometimes when we think that it's about the activity like about prayer or about going to church um, sometimes I think that it really isn't about prayer or going to church or their relationship with God even but sometimes it's just in how we are uh, encouraging them in those ways. And sometimes it can then become about the activity of prayer or church. The The struggle becomes about um, compliance and doing the activity rather than uh, becoming about the actual connecting with God in a way that is authentic. And so I love that you just took a moment to pause and say, okay, wait a minute, how do I, how do I help my kid genuinely find connection with God, not just compliance with my uh, activity that I'm wanting to do. Uh, and and so what we have found, we talk a bit in Parenting for Faith about being a high priest. And a, a really long time ago, um, when there was a functioning temple uh, with Old Testament Judaism, that was how people connected to God um, was sort of needing the help of a high priest, of a specialist, of an expert, of, of someone who had the role of being the go-between between God and people. And when Jesus died and rose again, then we no longer need that um, that person standing between us and God. We we now have full access to the heart of God, which is something that is absolutely wonderful. And I think sometimes as, as parents, we accidentally end up standing in that role as high priest through really, really, really great intentions of wanting it to happen and wanting to facilitate things happening. And I think one of the things we can do is to help reposition ourselves from a high priest who is, 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 uh, being a central part of how our kids engage with God and becoming that coach on the side that helps them find their own path with God while still being able to give, you know, boundaries and safety to it. And so, um, one of the things that we talk about is about enabling our kid to chat to God in a way that looks authentic to them. Uh, often in, in my experience in working with kids, sometimes what happens is that sense of performing prayer when other people are listening to it um, takes over children. And so then they just begin to overanalyze the words they're saying and what they're doing. And it can become stressful. And we're saying, you know, what do you want to pray about and how do you want to do it? And we sort of come in trying to help our kid uh pray a prayer when actually it becomes a pressure to perform. And so when we step out of that high priest role and into a coaching role, we can say, your life with God is your life with God. And you can chat to him in any way you want. And I don't need to hear it at all. I just want to give us a space at bedtime or at the time that we, what well, you're saying in bedtime prayers, you know, I just want to give space to chat to God. And we can do that in our heads. We can do that. You can do that by drawing pictures. You could do that by listening to music. Uh, and I'd love to do it in the same room with you, but we don't have to do it out loud and we don't even have to know what each other's chatting to God about. And so you can suggest things that we both chat to God about in our heads, like, 
the let's tell God the funniest part of the television program we are walking to, watching today. And then you both chat to God in your heads, but you don't tell each other what the answer is. Um, he's sick, so he might want to whisper into his pillow, into his hands. Um, sometimes that internal life of talking in your own head is difficult for that age group. They, they grow out of it around you know seven, eight, be able to have that sort of real internal a thought life. So they might want to whisper so that you can't hear. There's loads of resourcing about how to empower children to find their own pattern of chatting to God on the website, parentingforfaith.org. You can just go to key tools and there will be chat and catch and you can find all about it. There's a couple of, I think two sessions, maybe three sessions on enabling this kind of two-way prayer with God um, for themselves on the website. Uh, just go on the course uh, through the website. There's loads that you can do that. I think we even have a downloadable that's like 101 things that your kid can chat to God about. Uh, so have a look at those things. But I just wanted to encourage you that I think you're on the right track. You've, you've noticed that there's resistance. You want your kid to have their own connection with God. And it can be quite hard when our way of connecting with God is different than how our child connects with God. And I think we've done another podcast on that as well. So uh, just... Just be confident that you are helping your kid find their journey with God. And you can coach them along that. You can encourage them along that. You can say it's important that you uh, do it and you can make that space to say now's the time to do it. But feel free to do it in your own way. And um, and as you grow your kid in their powerfulness in their own relationship with God, I think you'll see something shift. So please keep in touch. We'd love to keep praying with you and praying for you and walking alongside with you. Access those things on the website. And if you're still getting stuck, come back to us because uh, we're always here uh, to walk alongside you as you walk alongside your kid. I'm here with Gail Adcock. Uh, Gail, to start off with, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, so um, I work with the Children, Youth and Family team of the Methodist Church. Um, and my, mm-hmm. my particular specialism is families and intergenerational work. And uh, you're also an author. Last year, your book, The Essential Guide to Family Ministry, came out. Um, and it was something in that that I wanted to ask you about today, really. Um, so there's a chapter all on uh, being holy at home and what families can do. And you talk a little bit about family devotion times. Now, when people hear that, I think probably they're going to split into two camps. Some people who have fond memories and happy experiences and love doing that with their families. And some people who think, oh, my gosh, no, like I just the mere thought of it makes them feel stressed. Um, what's your kind of experience of families doing that? And what would you, what would you say to those people? Um, I think uh, I would understand all of those viewpoints perfectly um, well from my own experience when our two boys were very small um, and I sort of uh, sort of went on this journey really of discovery about what does it look like to raise a family of faith and I I I sort of just read and talked to people and tried to learn as much as I could about what that might look like and so I suppose I gradually sought to find a way for us to do it that was going to work for us as a family and um and so and I I don't know how much this is true for all of us that you sort of look at the the scope of your life and how you're living your life and think right where do we where do we begin then to make this work for us and so for many, many years, we did bedtime prayers, basically. That was the key focus for us. Um, there was a moment after 
baths and pyjamas and teeth when we would perhaps gather on a sofa where we would snuggle up a bit or the boys would be in bed and uh, and then we would sort of put aside some time just to um, pray together and that for me that that was our shared spiritual life in our home that was that was the focus mm. of that that time for us and and yet sometimes it would be um actually quite profound in lots of ways and there were times when uh, i remember my boys praying for me and being enormously moved by um the things that they said and um and their care for me expressed in that in that moment. And there were other times when one of them would want to engage and listen carefully. The other one would be rolling around on the floor, um, still wanting to kind of play with the Brio trains. Um, and it was really difficult to get everybody to pay attention. And so it would sort of slowly descend into uh, more and more chaos. And, and so it was always somewhere on that spectrum of kind of people <laughs> yeah. being involved. And... Um, and I think it at the time I, I probably did give myself a hard time thinking actually go you need to try a bit harder to make this better but actually I look back and I think well actually we were having a very authentic genuine experience of faith with each other and so on the days when nobody was particularly interested or had anything to say and it felt like it was just my own voice that was mm. as fine as the times when actually they had lots to say and they really did want to join in. Um, and I, I think I felt what was important was for the boys to discover their own voice to talk to God. And that mm. was, that was the key thing for me was always, this is not a formal time that's um, liturgic in any way. It's, it's just a, an informal time of us gathering in God's presence to talk about the stuff that matters to us. And so that sense of it being conversation was always what drove those times. Um, but yeah, there, there are probably many, many occasions when I've, I've blocked them all out now, um, when it, it kind of probably ended with me snapping and, and getting a bit grumpy. <laughs> yeah, I think we've all been there. I think that's a what about when they're a little bit older so i'm thinking top end primary or maybe even going into teens when i could be wrong but i'm imagining the uh snuggle on the sofa after bath time probably isn't a thing anymore and it's a bit more challenging to call older children and teenagers for a family time do you just let it you know does it sort of naturally phase out or are there different ways you connect at that point it it did definitely evolve over the years um and uh i i'd i'd say that it kind of um it didn't happen always on a daily basis that maybe it shifted to a couple of times a week because as soon as you've got teenagers who are out in the evenings who are um you know, we, when you're doing sort of beavers and cubs and scouts and people are coming and going at different times, then it's really difficult to, you can't mm. keep everybody in the household sort of up till, till 10 to, to be able to do that together. So um, I think the, the rhythm of it changed. So we perhaps didn't do it quite so um, frequently. Um, but there was also something as, as the kids got older that about them bringing more of themselves into that time. And so um me having often been the instigator wanting to invite them to say who's going to take the lead perhaps um who's 
got something they particularly want to to share this evening um it was it was sort of trying to engage them more in participation of it i guess um so it wasn't uh, parent-led quite often and there was a i certainly i remember this phase that we had when perhaps the boys were younger teenagers where i encouraged all of us to pray for somebody else in the family and so mm. um we would perhaps share something that we wanted somebody else to pray about and uh, then we would have just sort of open space to pray about those things and again met with varying degrees of enthusiasm and uh <laughs> um, and pleasure to take part but um yeah definitely moments where i might have had something difficult that was a going on for me and say work and one of the kids would pray for me about that um and i would have a chance to pray about something that was going on in their lives that they 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 needed that for so it was it felt that as it grew um it was it was less about okay this is what we um we do because our parents tell us but it's actually it's a it's a family time this is a family habit this is part of our lives um mm. and i think we probably we probably managed until around sort of the age of 15 or 16 um and then it was it became increasingly difficult and as soon as kind of a son went off to university that that really does change the dynamics but it's it's a dynamic thing so it, it doesn't tend to stay um in one particular format i don't think for too long yeah and i think that's so helpful to keep hold of because you can think oh we used to do it like this and it seemed to work quite well or look at people at a, a different life stage and what they're doing and feel uh belittled by that or something but i loved what you were sharing because i feel like um you know there's different powerful elements in that there's the connection between parents and children and between siblings there's the creating windows and being authentic about your own walk with God and not just the good bits, hard bits as well. If you're having to do it daily, you get the full spectrum, don't you? Absolutely. And, and I was just thinking there were many times when um, I, I, I tried to, I suppose, um, live my own faith in a visible way to them. So, um, and not that I set myself up to be a model Christian in their eyes, um, not by any means, but um, when stuff went wrong, when I was um, sad about things, when um, I was worried um, or felt unsure, I tried very much to bring those things out in, in our life actually, and to respond to those things through praying about them or, at least just through recognising that there were times when I just needed to kind of say, look, I'm really sorry. And I'm sorry that I did that, you know, in our family. And I'm, I'm sorry to God as well. And to, for faith to be something that was a lived entity and not, um, it, it was for me, it was about bringing faith outside of Sundays and that sense that all of our, belief and um experience of faith seems to be focused on that one day a week which i just thought that is never going to stick and a question to start an interesting conversation with your child this week is this 
What do you think Jesus felt when going into a new place that he had never been to before as a human? And why? Have a great conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.